0: Brother Dan, for that prayer. The title of our lesson this morning is also our uh, family theme, is that God provides for His people. Now, we're making a statement there, is that true? So what does God provide? Does He necessarily provide what we want? Not always, but He does provide what we need, doesn't He? And who knows better what we need than God, okay? Our objective is that as learners, we would learn to trust God, uh, to provide what we need to follow Him. And here's the key, no matter what our circumstances are. We're going to be in Genesis 45 today. And by the way, one of my favorite stories in all the Word of God. We're going to look at two key truths. Number one, God can use any circumstance to accomplish His will and provide for His people. Second of all, God can restore broken relationships, and we must remember that, okay? We'll we'll, we'll see how that works out today in our lesson. Under our connect, we're asking a question this morning. If anyone would like to describe a time in your life when God used what appeared to be a bad circumstance or circumstances to bring about good or to accomplish his purposes anybody want to share a time in your life that God did that when you thought things were bad and God used them and they may have been bad but he used them for good anybody at all and then come to your mind back in 1974 <laughs> Pam was pregnant with our first child And uh, we lost that baby. And, of course, we were just, at that time, we didn't think so. We were kids. You know, I was 19, or maybe, I was probably 20. And she was, I was probably 22, I guess. And she was 21 or 20. And it just devastated us. And uh, didn't know you know, we we got through that all right and we weren't Christians and uh, just didn't know what what to think. So anyway it was both of us agreed it was time for a change after losing our, our, our baby and I called my dad and he worked with General Motors and I said, Can you can you can you get me a job? And at that time, you could do that without having to go on the phone, obviously, you know. And, of course, he was in supervision. And and so we moved to Ohio. And, uh, of course, I realized we can't run from our our problems or our circumstances. And we were still both hurting over losing that baby. And as we left Illinois, my grandmother said to me, he said, son, said there's a church right down for your your mom and dad's. At least try to go to church there once in a while. We were going to stay with my mom and dad so we got our apartment. And so we did. And uh, now we weren't Christians. But there for a while, we attended almost as much as a lot of uh, church people did. And we weren't hypocrites. We knew we were lost. But anyway, through it all, we ended up being saved. And I'd have never dreamed God took something in our lives and uh, we didn't understand at the time but I can look back and see through the years how God allowed things to happen and you know the Bible didn't say everything is good he says everything works out together for our good to those who love God who are called according to his purpose and I do believe even though we were not Christians at that time. God knew that what I didn't know. He knew his plan for my life. And I'd, I'd have never dreamed, I'd have never dreamed that one day I would pastor a church. So I can say that God truly took a bad circumstance and he worked it out for our good. And I want to tell you folks, God is good at that. He sees what we don't see, he knows what we don't know, and God is truly a good God. Well, today we're looking again at the story of Joseph. If you were here last week, <clears throat> his brothers had sold him into slavery, and make no mistake about it, uh, in that culture, in that time in our world, uh, being a slave would most of the time lead to be your death. It was that bad. And so, there's no doubt in my mind that when they sold their brother into slavery, um, they could say, you know what, we didn't kill him, but he's as good as what? He's as good as dead. The dreamer will die with his dreams. Well, we ended last week about the fact that he was sold to a an official of the pharaoh, Potiphar, And uh came a day when Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of sexual assault. And so Joseph ends up where? In prison. Now think about this. I I mean, uh, we do know that while in Potiphar's house, he was promoted among the slaves. And uh, in fact, Potiphar trusted him so much, uh, Joseph was in charge of everything. And the only thing Potiphar even knew about was what he ate. Joseph took care of everything else. So while he's in prison, and I talk more about the timeline of this a little later on, there was also a cupbearer and a baker there with him in that prison. Now also remember, while in Pharaoh's house he gained Pharaoh's favor, I said Pharaoh, Potiphar's favor, I'm sorry, Potiphar's favor, In prison, he gains the prison keeper's favor. But there were two people there. Now, there were more than two, but two that stand out. And the cupbearer and the baker, coincidence? God's plan. And, of course, you know, they were there. They were arrested. And they both had dreams. Who interpreted them? Joseph did now again and I, and we we know this uh Joseph gives God the credit. Well, <laughs> for one it was a good a good interpretation and uh the other not so good. But now remember Joseph gave the interpretation before the events carried out. You know, we're reading about him after the fact. So, how did what Joseph say? How did it come out? How did it turn out? Exactly, <laughs> exactly like he said it would. So <laughs> he says to the cupbearer, Now look, put a good word for me into Pharaoh. You know, let him know I'm, I'm I'm here by false, whatever it was." And of course, the cupbearer was excited. You know, uh, now now also understand. All Joseph did was interpret the dreams, and we can only we can only surmise. I think we're correct. Who I wonder who sent those dreams? Sure, God did, and He also sent the interpretation. But anyway, you know the cupbearer going to be restored to his job. Baker not so good. <laughs> and so Joseph says, "Hey, when you get back, put a good word in for me." Cupbearer says, "Sure will, buddy." So what happened then? What? Yeah, he forgot until two years later. Pharaoh has a dream now. I wonder who sent that dream? God did, and he's troubled. In fact, he has two dreams, and so Cupbearer says, "Ah, I remember now." There's a guy named Joseph, and he says to Pharaoh. Me and the baker had dreams. And this man interpreted those dreams, and it came out just like he said. And so Pharaoh calls Joseph, and Joseph interprets the dream. And of course, he said, he makes it clear, it wasn't me, it was God. And so, Pharaoh says, we don't, and by the way, what were the dreams, what did they, what was, the prediction of those dreams. What was the foretelling? What's going to happen? Famine, right? Seven good years and seven bad. And the good years would be would be great years, but the seven bad years would be so bad it would defile what the good years brought out. Tough times are coming. And so, not only does Daniel interpret the dreams, and God does it. Daniel gives God the credit. He also also gives a proposal. To Pharaoh. He said, You need to find somebody who can get a plan, who can organize some things. (laughs) Well, you know what happened. Pharaoh said, Well, wait a minute. We don't need to look any farther. Now, I wonder why Joseph was where he was when he was. (laughs) God's got a plan. Now, remember, what does God know? Everything. When does he know it? He always does. So, Joseph is now promoted second in the land. Only Pharaoh is higher than he is. Well, the famine comes. And meanwhile, back in the homeland, Jacob and Joseph's brothers are there. And the famine doesn't just hit Egypt, it covers that part of the world. And they need some food, so what do they do? Say it again. From Egypt. And what don't they know? Yeah. Joseph is there. Years have gone by, and they didn't even recognize that was their brother standing there. Now, remember, he spoke to them in Egyptian language. And what kind of clothes was he wearing? Egyptian clothing, all the garb, whatever it might have been. Now, he doesn't tell them who he is right away. And it wasn't because he was trying to conceal it for any other reason except for the fact he wanted to test them to see if they had changed. Now think about this. You have these originally ten brothers. Benjamin didn't come at first standing before the second most powerful man in the world. And if he didn't like you, what might happen to you? Thank you, Wayne. Good way to put it, right? You're in trouble. You could be killed. So chapter 45, the tests are over. They've returned for the second time. This time they brought Benjamin with them now in chapter 45, Joseph reveals his identity. Verses 1 through 13. Somebody read that, please. Dan, would you mind going back to verse 1 and read the first word? The first word of verse 1? Then. What does that mean? Something happened to bring this about. Joseph was going to arrest Benjamin. And Judas sets forward. Now again, he doesn't know who Joseph is. And he says, you can't do this. We can't allow this to happen. Now remember, as far as the brothers know, Joseph is what? Dead. So Joseph being gone, isn't it fair to say that now Benjamin's the favorite son? Sure. And Judah says, you can't do this. If we go back home and our brother's not with us, our dad will die what about 29 years earlier did it bother them to go back and tell them that Joseph was gone no but now it did and Joseph realized they've changed Judah says take me couple here for you to don't keep my brother Benjamin That's the (laughs) then. Now remember, we're talking to the second most powerful man in the world, and he says in so many words, clear the room. What do you think happened? (laughs) Everybody shot out. Nobody's there. And the Bible says he began weeping. Now, I don't know that uh, he wept loud enough for them to hear it over there, but anyway, somebody heard it. And it reached Pharaoh's house. Something is bothering Joseph. Now, remember, Benjamin had nothing to do with selling Joseph into Egypt, into slavery. And all this time, the first trip, this trip so far, he's been speaking the Egyptian language. And there was an interpreter between the boys and Joseph. But in verse 4, he says, and notice the "am" is italicized to help clarify it. He said, I, Joseph." I Yosef. Now I don't know about you, but I bet you could hear a pin drop there. You what? Does my father, is he still living? And the Bible says his brother were so troubled they couldn't what? They couldn't even speak. Sweating bullets, absolutely. Afraid they'd get bullet shot at him if they had bullets, right? I am Joseph. He's my father yet alive. And they're just dumb about it. Joseph says to them, Come near to me. Now, I am not a Hebrew or a Greek scholar, but I did study this some years ago. And that phrase, come near to me in the Hebrew, is an intimate intimate phrase. And we can't know for sure. Um, But Joseph says, I want to show you something. Some scholars believe he showed him he was circumcised, which would say what to them? He's at least a Jew. Okay? He's at least a Jew. But then he says, come near to me. I am Yosef. And then he says, whom you sold in Egypt. Now, I want to tell you, back home in the land of Canaan, that was the best kept secret it ever was. There were only, other than God, only ten people who knew what happened. Those nine brothers, remember, Benjamin wasn't in on it, and Joseph. Nobody else knew. So when Joseph says, not only am I, just make sure you understand, I am Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. How do you think they felt? Oh, man. Now remember, Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. And the Bible doesn't give us a lot of details uh, between then and now, except that we know he was in Potiphar's house. We're not sure how long. Uh, some scholars believe anywhere from one to eleven years. I, I, now, again, this is only conjecture. I don't, I don't know that it would take eleven years for uh, Potiphar's wife to seduce uh, Joseph. We don't know for sure. Uh, some, we know he's in prison at least two years. Uh, some believe he spent maybe a year in Potiphar's house and 11 years in prison. We don't know for sure. All we do know now, 29 years have gone by. He was 17 years old when he left the land of Canaan. He was 30 years old when he was elevated to second in the land. Seven years of famine I'm sorry, seven good years have come and gone. That makes it 37 years. And now two years into the famine, there are five years left. 39 years. I am Joseph. So what do you think they're thinking, these guys? Say it again? Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is, they're thinking like they used to think. They're thinking from the worldly perspective. And to me, that's one of the most difficult things to get new Christians to stop doing. But Joseph doesn't think that way. He knows they're going to be mad at themselves. He says, don't do that. Don't be angry with yourself. Don't, don't be Mad with yourself that you sold me into Egypt now he doesn't discount what they did he knows what they did he said but there's something you don't know you had a plan but God had a bigger plan and the bottom line is your plan was part of his plan isn't that true God designed it so it would have to be this way because God sent me here To preserve your life. Now remember. If it wasn't for the fact where Joseph was at. At that particular time. What would have happened to the 73 or 4 Jews. That were back in the home. What would happen to them? Revisually. They'd have started that. And there goes the Abrahamic covenant. Now do you think God let that happen? May I use Ain't no way. Not going to happen. And Joseph begins to unfold God's plan. He said, guys, there's been two years of famine in this land. And we're not finished yet. There's going to be five more. I have to ask a question. Why was Joseph so sure of that? Say it again. That's it. I came from God. There's going to be five more years of famine. He said, what you need to know, instead of being mad at yourself, you need to know that God sent me ahead of you. He sent me here to preserve a posterity. And to save your lives. What a God. What a God. Now remember, he, he knows they're the ones who carried out that scheme. And, you know, back we, let, we in our last week lessons. <laughs> but he says, it wasn't you who sent me here. I'm here by the hand of God. And you need to see that. Now, you know, I don't know how much they knew of Joseph's position, even before he revealed himself. But all they knew, he was a man you talked to if you wanted some food, right? And he said, what you need to understand is God has made me a father to Pharaoh. And, and that wasn't a title. That's a term of a trust and endearment. That's how much Pharaoh trusted Joseph. So not only am I a father to Pharaoh in his eyes, I'm really the ruler over all of Egypt. And so he could have said, you know, what I say, (laughs) it goes. So he says, fellow, here's what I want you to do. I want to bring you here. And I want you to live in the land of Goshen. You, your children, your children's children, everything you've got. And when you get here, I am going to take care of you. What? What would they expect, you think? All right, he's going to bring us here, put us where? Put us in prison. He'll give us what we gave him. He said, no, that's not going to happen. You come here, you bring your families, and you bring your stock, your livestock, and I am going to take care of you. Who gave him that authority? Pharaoh did. He could do it. Shit, guys, there's five more years left. And if I don't take care of you, you're not going to make it. You are not going to make it. Now, again, my question who's doing all the talking right now? Joseph is. Now, can you imagine these brothers? They're still dumbfounded. I mean, he's just laying it out. And back in verse 3, they, they couldn't say a word. And they still haven't said a word. And said, so you, you see, it's me. You you know it's me. I want you to go back home. And I want you to tell Dad what God has done for me here in Egypt. And not just for me, but for you as well. And hurry and bring Dad back. What are your thoughts on that? Any thoughts on that? Any comments on that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, Joseph realized, you know, Dad may not have a few more years to live. All right, that's a good thought. What do you think about this whole thing? (laughs) Oh, LaVenda, I thought I'd be the only one to say that. Man. Wow. You know what I see here, folks? God can accomplish good, even through bad things that we do to each other. And God worked it out for good. Now, by the way, if you're a student of the Scripture, you know that God does not excuse sin. He doesn't. Nor can we. But understand this. It's stuff like this that fills my heart with hope of redemption. Yeah. No, never did. Absolutely, he knew exactly what God planned. Go back home. Bring dad. Now, we're not sure exactly how much of God's plan for his people Joseph understood. But as you study the story of Joseph, it's clear he knows it went beyond this famine. Because in the latter parts of Genesis, and by the way, this, the last part of Genesis is all about Joseph. He says to his people, whenever you leave this land, do what? Take my bones with you. So what did he know? You're not going to be here forever. God has promised us a land. And I don't know how, and I don't know when, but there'll be a day a day when you'll go back home. And when you do, take my bones with you. And when Moses comes and leaves Egypt, guess who bones he takes with him? Joseph. Forty years of wandering. end enter the promised land. And when you get to the last chapter of Joshua Aaron's son the high priest dies and he's buried and they take the bones of Joseph and they take him to Shechem and bury him in the burial plot that Jacob had bought years earlier. Jacob bought that lot and Joseph knew that one day he would go home. What a God. So let's apply it. We need to trust, and I said we, not you, a sovereign God to accomplish his will, even through the worst of circumstances. I can only speak for myself, and I often, when I pray, I will use these words in some form Lord, heal that person according to your will. Well, the bottom line, guess what? Whatever happens is what? Say it again, Lavenda. It's, it's according to his will. He's accorded because he's sovereign. And remember that God places people, you and I, Joseph, in places to accomplish his will. So number one, God can use any circumstance to accomplish his will and provide his people. Number two, God can restore broken relationships. So Linda, I, I, I appreciate your honesty because I feel the same way. Imagine what they did to him. But anyway, let's pick it up. Verse 14 through 28. Anybody want to read that?
1: You 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 this is this. the to be Man, all all the words of saw the
0: Can you imagine that? Now it's interesting, remember in verse 3, the brothers were speechless. And Joseph begins to hug Benjamin, but does he stop there? What does he do? He hugs him all. And it wasn't until verse fifteen they're able to even say anything. And so Pharaoh hears the plan that Joseph wants to do. And so he said, Joseph, hire a moving company. Two men and a camel. Whatever. And you tell your family, don't worry about the stuff they've got there. Just bring the bare essentials. And you bring them back to the land of Egypt. Bring them here. Bring them all. And I will give them the good land of Egypt. And he even provided some carts, donkeys laden with enough provision for the journey. And in our study guide, that mentioned that this is the first time uh, carts are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, they were a little bit crude in those days and times. A lot of not very comfortable to ride in, but it beats walking, right? Kind of like my van, beast walking. Uh, but, uh, and that was for the little ones and for the older people. But nonetheless, Joseph did what Pharaoh said. And he gives new clothing to his family. Now, I, I never thought about this. Our study guy pointed out. It was probably Egyptian clothing. Now, think about that. Why would, it, why would that be true? They're in Egypt, right? Amen. And, uh, so, possibly to help them be more, I don't know, not stand out so much, right? But we don't know for sure, but he gives them clothing, uh, gives Benjamin some more than they did the other ones. Uh, he's his uh, full brother, if you will, not a half-brother. He also gives Benjamin a, a small fortune. Uh, but but nonetheless... Uh, They were to go back home, get dad and the rest of the family, and his final instruction to them was, don't argue on the way. Why would he say that? Absolutely. Can you imagine? Reuben, if you got back quicker and got him out of there, we wouldn't have done this. Judah, it's your fault. You're one of the older brothers. You should have stopped us from doing this. No, it's not my fault. It's your fault, Simeon. And Joseph, don't do that. Don't argue during the journey. And for whatever reason, these are words of wisdom that you and I can use through our journey in life. Folks, life is too short to carry a grudge. It is way too short. They get there. Did you ring the bell already, Jason? Okay, we've got to hurry. They get there and they tell Jacob. What's Jacob's first response? No, he didn't believe it. So they show him all the provisions. And he said, that's enough. Okay, that's enough evidence. I'm going to go home, go and see my son before I die. How important was that to Jacob? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what, Wayne? I don't think Jacob ever expected to see him again. Ever. Oh, absolutely. yes. but there again, uh, and I think you'll agree, Wayne, uh, you know Wayne's comment was, not only was Joseph excited, but so was Pharaoh. But I think God worked that out, won't you? God worked it out for because God does. That's a tolerable lesson. provide for his people. It's interesting verse twenty six says that ja- uh, Jacob was stunned at the news, and the Hebrew word literally means his heart was numb. He simply couldn't believe the good news. And his heart was numb from the unexpected report. But he believed and his spirit revived. Now, by the way, at the end of his life, when Jacob blessed the children, he gave Joseph a double blessing. Ephraim and Manasseh would take that birthright. And, of course, the two tribes of Israel would be Ephraim and Manasseh. That's how they came. But my friend, our God, is able to work things out for his good and for our good, and for his glory. Let's stand together. Next week, Matthew chapter 18, uh, from verse 18 to the end of the chapter, and the first few verses of chapter 19, the birth of our Savior. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you, God, for the practicality of your word that we can apply to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless each one.